breath of life, inspire the words of my lips and the meditations of all our hearts this day. In the name of the Creator, the Redeemer, and the Inspirer. Amen. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. I've heard it said that it's a good idea to begin with the end in mind. And I think our reading from Philippians contains one mission statement, if you will, for the hearers and readers of the letter to find their hearts and their minds protected by peace. The text immediately before and after this goal talks about how we might get there by taking an account in the verses following our reading of whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is pleasing, whatever is commendable. And in the verses before, offering our petitions and prayers with thanksgiving. One veteran community organizer put life goals, her life goals, in different terms. Sometimes we need to reverse engineer the kind of life that will keep us sustainably engaged in the work of organizing so that we can go the distance in being a part of building the kind of world that we want to see the kind of world that operates more closely in line with the heavenly realm, that place that we can know now only as God's dream for us. To take this thought experiment to its logical extreme, I could ask myself what I would like my obituary to say, or I could sketch out plans for my own funeral. It's never a bad plan to have our earthly affairs in order, but Herman Melville was the one who gave us the story of Ishmael's companion Queequeg, the seafarer and skilled harpooner who upon falling ill asked for the ship's carpenter to make him a coffin, which he used as a bed for a time. It was an extreme form of spiritual practice, but it reacquainted him with his own mortality. And later in the book, after he recovered, when the ship was in need of a new life buoy. This very coffin was repurposed as a lifesaver. Water is a symbol of washing, being washed clean, yes, but it's also a symbol of death, perhaps an awareness of our limitations, including our limited time on earth, perhaps that can help us open up to the kind of divine creativity that can lead us forward on the way so that we can be more authentically human in the here and now. Whoever thought that a coffin could be a lifesaver? It's counterintuitive that the sacrament of our salvation would involve a journey through death. But the waters of baptism are about letting go of our sin, our brokenness, and our bad habits. Letting them die, even, so that God can transform our worst experiences for good. The people who gathered together to be baptized by John in the river could have very well included a brood of vipers. 
And they were asking about the practicality of what they should do differently now that their lives were being repurposed, reborn even. An awareness and appreciation for death can give us a deeper awareness and appreciation for life. Put it another way, I could say as many here have said before, Lord, thank you for waking me up this morning. A walk in the park could be an opportunity to say, God, thank you for the grass underneath me. Thank you also that I'm not underneath the grass. One day I hope my body can join in the storied task of pushing up daisies, but I'm grateful that my time for that work has not yet arrived. There's more pressing call on my life right now. Returning to the letter of Philippians, the goal I hear is for every person who reads or hears the missive to find that their heart and their mind are guarded in Christ by the peace that passes all understanding, the peace beyond our description or comprehension. Have you ever experienced a moment of deep peace? Perhaps it was a moment of beauty where time seemed to slow down for a short stretch. I wonder if it happened to Moses the day that he walked by and noticed that bush on fire and noticed that it was unquenchable fire. A mysterious fire that did not consume, did not destroy the bush. For me, those times of beauty have happened in nature, in physical exertion towards a goal, in creative expression, in conversations of trust and understanding. We all want serenity now, right? But serenity now can be a paradoxically more difficult thing than we'd like. Our contemplative journey this Advent is an opportunity, one opportunity, to slow down, to notice our breath, to notice our bodies, to notice our surroundings, to give our attention towards healing. We need one another in our spiritual practices. Philippians tells us that one consistent avenue on the way towards peace is for us to not worry about anything but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be known to God. Note, if you will, my emphasis on thanksgiving. We aren't just invited to make a wish list and then sit back and wait for the goods to arrive whether by Amazon or any other company. We aren't invited to complain endlessly about all the things we want and can't have right now. Whether the complaint is addressed to God, to Santa, or to others. The disappointments of life are an invitation for us to try to look at our situation from a different perspective. The letter had earlier credited the Philippians, as being the first congregation that supported Paul in his ministry when he left Macedonia. It seems that for a time, they were the only congregation that supported Paul in his calling. Paul and the Philippians were each doing what they could to prepare the way. In our gospel, said in an earlier era, John the Baptist and his hearers were doing what they could to prepare the way. These examples give us three different directions for ministry and generosity with God's help. 
And I know I'm thankful that St. George's is involved in all three of these aspects of the way. Not only helping those who are hungry or in need of an extra coat, but also building community and strength among those involved as leaders in our church, in our area, and helping to spread the good word in places near and far. So maybe, just maybe, we can also think about this from a different perspective, from God's perspective. What are the ways that God is preparing the way for the Messiah this season? God could have chosen any family, any age, for the Messiah's birth. And God chose to be born into a migrant family, living in the Pax Romana of the Mediterranean world. The Holy Family were people who the government counted in the census, but they almost certainly weren't full Roman citizens. Were they afraid of what might happen as they made their way to be registered? Were they disappointed when the barn was the only place they could find to sleep on that holy night? We'll hear next week about their many petitions for safe haven in Bethlehem. Did they give thanks for moments of peace that night among the animals in the barn? As a more recent parent... I'm particularly aware of how miraculous a silent night with a newborn might be. But can we imagine Mary and Joseph whispering other prayers together as they prepared for the long-expected child? Mary could have easily composed her list of demands, of complaints, Given, given the limitations and the difficulties that she faced. She could have even easily given up hope long before leaving Nazareth, given the social opprobrium she probably faced being pregnant outside of wedlock in that culture and time. But I'm thankful that she didn't shrink back, but instead joined in the tradition of her ancestors, singing aloud, living into that divine promise spoken in Zephaniah, where God says, I will save the disabled and gather the outcast, and I will change their shame into praise and renown in all the earth. And may the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.